0: I'm going to ask you to turn in God's word with me to John's gospel, and we're in number three, chapter number three, please, and I want to read also in Luke's gospel, and that's chapter number 15, Luke number 15, John chapter three, pardon me a moment, I'll get situated here. My cup runneth over this morning. (laughs) It's difficult for a preacher to preach right after that music. It sets the stage for us, but when your heart is full, you need a moment to kindly get things together. I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord, and it's such a blessing to be back. As the preacher mentioned, I wasn't able to come last year, and uh, I miss my time, will you? you. And that was beyond my ability to get here, but I got, a, I got a threatening letter from your preacher a few days ago, and I was in Birmingham, I guess, preaching, and my wife read the note to me, and he said he expected me here even if they had to bring me on a stretcher, I think something like that. So you didn't know your preacher was so mean, did you? But I I love you, preacher, and it's a joy, and this is always a highlight to me and my year to get to come and to greet you, and I commend you, your beautiful building. I tell you, God is being so good. He's at work here this morning, and I'm grateful for the privilege that's mine to be here. And I, I was a pastor 20 years of the 41 years now that I've been in the ministry, and I'm aware that we're a little more on a schedule on Sunday morning, so I'm aware of that. And I'm going to save the messages that relate to revival. I'll keep them for the evening services. But I want to read just uh, two or three verses in John's gospel and then go to Luke chapter number 15. John chapter 3. <clears throat> Let me just say before I read this, uh, I was in a meeting. It's been a while back now. And there was a lady stood up in the meeting and she gave a prayer request. Uh, the Thursday evening meeting, I was there on a Sunday night through Friday night. And that Thursday night, let me repeat, she she stood up and gave a prayer request that, uh, how can I say it? It really laid hold of my heart. I don't think I've ever had anything to impact me like that did what she had to say. And uh, the truth of what's before us this morning uh, sort of, came to my attention and uh, the response to uh, her prayer request. And I want to read the scripture and then I'll say another word about that and it'll bring us into what I want to talk about. Would you stand with me please as we change our position, relax us here a moment. The best known verse in the Bible, a verse that brings forth the, the clarity of the gospel like no other verse perhaps, he tells us in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to excuse me, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Then in Luke 15, there's a truth stated here where I read. It's talking about the love of God. I want us to see it illustrated in a story that our Lord gave It's a parable. I preached from this parable in this pulpit some, oh, three or four years ago. But I want to take just a portion of it this morning. We read the entire parable. Some folks refer to it as three parables, but I think if you'd look in verse 3, it's singular. He spake this parable, then it's in three parts. In every part of his story, something is lost. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost piece of silver, there's a lost son. But I want us to pick up in the third part of his parable, and it's in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, I want to emphasize that. There's two boys here. I preached a sermon the other day entitled, Two Lost Boys. Both of them are lost. One of them not aware of it. One of them lost in the far country then and lost at home. But he had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey to a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he'd spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, he began to be in want. <clears throat> he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would fain have filled his belly with the husk the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I in heaven, and before thee I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He arose and came to his father, <clears throat> but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Some son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, thy brothers come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in, therefore came his father out and entreated him. Now, don't miss that. The father treats this boy as he did the other one. He went out and approached the other one. He went out with an appeal in his heart. He does the same here. Goes out, and not to push him down, he goes out and entreats him. He had two sons, and he divided his living with both of them. Treats them both alike. But his response was this. He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Soon as this thy son was come which hath devoured thy living with harlots. Thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to call our attention to verse 20 in particular. This father, who is waiting, watching, and finally welcomes this prodigal son back, Scripture says that when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I mentioned earlier, (coughs) I was in a meeting... (coughs) Goes back a little while, a few months, a couple of years, I guess it's coming up now, will be this fall. And uh, without going into any detail, this lady, whom was a member of that church, stood up and gave a prayer request, and uh, she did it with such a, a sense of urgency and with such sincerity, and I think earnestness in her voice, that God just took that in that service. She said to the pastor just before prayer time, he said, uh, I have spoken to, she identified him by name, and uh, it was a relative of hers. And uh, he's in a hospital 150 miles from where the church is. And she said, he's dying. Doctors don't give him any hope if he doesn't have the surgery. He's having surgery in the morning. They give him a little hope with the surgery. And here's what she said. She said, I, I spoke to him today. and said he has no immediate family. I think he was a cousin to her. There'll be no one there with him. And she said, he told me that he was fearful. Not only fearful, she said, of dying, but then she said he could hardly express himself because of his emotion. He said, I wish I didn't have to go to hell. And when that lady said that, the way she said it, she said, I'm not intelligent enough in the Scriptures as I ought to be just to take verses and show him. But she said the best I could on the phone, I tried to tell him, but called him a name. You don't have to go to hell. And he said, but you don't understand. I'm not in the group that God loves. I'm not in the select group that God's love reaches. She said he was taught that as a young fellow by people that he respected. Stayed with him through the years. Here he is, uh, an older man, having surgery, facing death, full of fear, and hoping, wishing that he didn't have to go to hell. And this lady, I repeat, you'd had to been in that service. It's not a large church. It's a mountain church in the mountains. She got so broken, she could hardly talk. She said, I, that disturbed me. She said, Pastor, I've been praying all afternoon. Oh, God, somebody get to him. Well, that got a hold to me. I couldn't, I, I just laid hold to me. I don't think I've ever had anything to impact me in, 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 in that realm, like that woman's prayer request, her earnest prayer request. And I said to that young pastor after the service, I said, do you know anybody? And I named he was in a, uh, hospital 150 miles away in a larger city. And I said, you you know a preacher? Do you know a preacher in that area personally we could get in touch with? I'd like to call him. Do you know anyone? I said, I don't preach in that immediate area. I don't know any preachers there. And I said, but there's a man, you know, that's just not happenstance that that happened. And she stood up, and God so laid hold in that service. I mean, his power just fell when she was talking. I said to that young man, you know, God's trying to get a message to him. And I think we ought to go. I said, "Would you go with me. Well, his surgery was at 6 a.m. We're 150 miles away, and 50 miles of that's in the mountains area. Takes us about 50 miles to get out of the rural mountain area to get out to an interstate, so it's going to take us close to three hours to get there. Having surgery at 6 a.m., and I said to him, we'll have to go early. Pardon me being so personal, but I didn't have much time to sleep, but I didn't sleep. I didn't want to sleep. That broke my heart. The man died. Facing eternity and saying he wished he didn't have to go to hell. Someone had taught him something that's not in the scripture. We got there at 5 a.m. Young pastor said, Brother Hurt, I want you to do the talking. I'll pray if you'll share with him. We told him why we were there, told him what brought it about. We found a man, to say the least, full of fear, but we found a man that was very receptive. Gave us a warm welcome. Found a man very open. See, it's obvious the Spirit of God speaking to him, or he wouldn't he he wouldn't even be talking about it. It's obvious God's getting a hold of him. He just he just needs to be brought in the light. He just needs the door open to him. And so he hung on every word we shared with him without me going much detail about uh Ten minutes into our visit with him, the Lord was really began. It's just like he pitched a net over him, and the spirit of God taking hold of him. And uh, two fellows, attendants, came with a gurney, pushed the door open, coming in there to get it. I said to the young pastor friend, I said to him, whatever you do, tell him, tell him that something very important taking place in here. Ask ask him to give us a few minutes. So he ran over, and you know, most of them go back and push the door and. He opened the door and looked at me and said, "Brother, Heard, everything's all right, and the man in charge won't you know he's a believer also." He <laughs> said, "Tell you, he loves Jesus and he'll make sure nobody interrupts you." <laughs> well, without going into any detail, I don't have to tell you what happened. Here's a man hung on every word. I said to him, and I didn't want to be offensive because she said people very close to him that he, he greatly respected, had influenced him and, 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 and he could be offended easily. And so I, I, I didn't try to tell him, you know, what this group believes or that group believes and so forth. I said to him, you believe the Bible? He said, yes, I do. Don't know much about it, but I respect it and believe it. I said, would you believe if I show you in this Word of God, would you take God His Word? He said, I will. <laughs> Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I told him about the love of God. I told him about the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. I told him about the one, all we like sheep's gone astray. Oh, he said, "I, I know I'm a lost person. You don't have to convince me. I know I'm lost. All of us like sheep have gone astray. But he's laid on him the iniquity of us all. Everyone that went astray, he died for. I showed him where God God would have all men to be saved and come to the truth knowledge of the truth I showed him where God's not willing that any would perish but all come to repentance I showed him where Jesus by the grace of God tasted death for every man and I said John 3 16 God said he's so loved how did God prove his love he commended his love toward us while we were yet sinners I showed him Christ died For us, tasted death, I said, for who? And I'd have him look at it. How many men did he taste death for? He said, all men. Well, I said, no, that doesn't mean just because he died, all men are saved. You have a responsibility. And you have to believe. I showed him what Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believes, God will save, Jesus said. And he interrupted me. I was going to take him down what some people call the Roman road and show him some verses in Roman. You know what God seemed to say to me? He don't need a road. Just open the door. Let him in. Amen. And he interrupted. He, he said, would he save me right now? I said, yes, sir, he will. And I tell you, he's hooked up to every kind of thing in the world. All kind of monitors. And, and oh, he, he got excited. And got me excited <laughs> man. his monitors they're making all kind of noises those machines and preacher he's he got the door open a little looking in he told me way. he said boy I thought brother hurts killed him in there he ain't got all that noise he's making oh that man oh he was so appreciative I've said that to say this man that came in that came for him he he he, he's a member of a Baptist church in, in that community, loved Jesus, soul winner himself, had a broken heart for soul. Ah, oh, this dying man so rejoiced with us. Uh, the attendant said, Preachers, go with us. we got to go to another floor. We got on the elevator with him. Went to, well, As far as we could go. And the last thing I heard him say to me, he, he made reference by name, his relative, and he stood up with tears. He said, You tell her. The last thing I talked to her about, told her, I wish I didn't have to go to hell. You tell her I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. He survived the surgery, but he never woke up. He he slipped out and went to heaven. They took his lifeless body out of that hospital. He came that close. I'm going to hell. But when he was told that there's a God who so loved the world, all the world, He's included. Without exception, He loves people. Jesus tasted death for all men. God would have all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth, not willing that any would perish, but all come to repentance. We don't have to go out and wonder if the person that we are talking to, if, if He died for that person, He died for all. And so the love of God is stated in John 3.16. It's illustrated. That love is illustrated in this little story. Let me say three words and illustrate one of them. I I suggest, first, from this little story, God's love makes no discrimination. Makes no discrimination. Secondly, in this little story, I notice that God's love makes no hesitation. Here's a father quick to go out and meet that boy, meets him where he's at, receives him as he is, puts his arm around him, didn't put him on probation. Didn't get him try to clean up and straighten up and, and, you know, be hesitant about putting his arm. No, no. He he goes out where he's at. So God's love, according to this illustration, makes no discrimination, makes no hesitation. God's love makes no recrimination. To recriminate is to bring an accusation against the accused. The father's not doing it. The brother is. This self-righteous brother's accusing him. But the father treated him as though he had never gone away. God's love makes no discrimination. See, he had two boys and he treated them both the same way. Gave them both their inheritance. Went out to meet that prodigal with compassion. He went out with tenderness in verse 28 to the elder son and entreated him likewise. So I learned from this little story that our Lord is illustrating in this marvelous love of God that God's love makes no discrimination. Therefore, I could go in a hospital room early in the morning and tell a dying man that you don't have to wonder if God loves you. God has said He loves you. And if you want to get saved, are you listening? Every person that wants to get saved can get saved. You don't want to get saved, of course you won't get saved. But if you want to, you can get in this morning because His grace is sufficient. Sufficient for all. It's only efficient, it only affects people that'll believe Him this morning. And so this morning, if you will believe Him, if you'll come to Him, if you've got an urge and a desire, you don't have to wonder. That's God's Spirit tugging at your heart. And you couldn't come without that. You can't just decide to be a Christian. Salvation is of the Lord this morning. And He's the one that brings us poor sinners to our awareness of our who we are and then shows us the amazing grace of God. Makes no discrimination. Dwight Eisenhower, the late President Eisenhower, he had a number of brothers. Someone said to his mother, you must be proud of your son. She said, I am. Which one? (laughs) Well, every parent can relate to that this morning. Makes no discrimination. Makes no hesitation. Campbell Morgan, he said, I dare not say this, but he said, since Jesus said it, and it's written in this infallible book, Then he said, I'll say it. He said, it's the only time in the Bible that it's a picture of God being in a hurry. His father ran. In that culture in that day, men uh, didn't run in public. Older men especially didn't. It's rather undignified to run in public. And yet, Jesus in his story has a man laying aside, as it were, his dignity, and he ran to meet that boy. Ran out there because the, the compassion in his heart motivated him to do that. And placed a kiss on his cheek. You understand the, the 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 symbols here, that ring on his finger, those shoes on his feet, that robe on him, the, the best robe that's put on him. Oh, he's reinstating him. And that's the third thing. Not only God's love makes no discrimination, makes no hesitation, makes no recrimination. He didn't say to that boy, what'd you do with that money? You waste that money? You promise never to act like that again? No, none of that. Well, that's not to preach license. Grace doesn't give me license to live like a heathen. Grace gives me liberty to please God this morning. And when grace really gets a hold of us, it won't cause us to want to go out and live like a pagan. It'll cause us to bow down at his feet like I felt like doing there this morning. I did in my heart as they was magnifying him in song this morning. Oh, the love of God, the grace of God was shown at Calvary for us poor sinners that all ought to be in hell this morning. But thank God, as the dying man said, tell his relative that night, he said, tell him, he saved me. Tell her, I'm not going to hell. (laughs) And I don't brag about it, but I'm not going to hell. And that's because of him. It's trite, but it illustrates a, a, a truth, a picture here. You've all heard it. It said that there was a father and his boy had had a fight, his rather severe fight. And uh, the boy had he struck his father, he hurt him. He left home and vowed that he'd never come back. He'd been gone a while, and perhaps something like the fellow in our Lord's story here, he came to himself and, and began to be sensible and. And, and began to think, man, you know, I, I I need to be home. I want to be home. I ought to be home. And he got in touch with his mother, wrote her a note, and told her his wishes and his plans, and said, uh, ask Dad if he can forgive me. Find out if I'm welcome. He said, I'm going to be on the train, and uh, I can't bear the thought of getting off at the station and coming back out to the house and not be welcome. So he said, if you could I'd like, to, I'd like for you to express your, your welcome for me, and your forgiveness toward me. He said, maybe you could put something like a handkerchief, something white on the tree limb, the little tree out there between the house and the railroad track, and I, I, I'll, I'll see it from the train. And if it's there, I'll know that I'm forgiven. And I know that you want me back home. If it's not there, I'll just keep going. He told a fellow that he'd befriended on the, on the train, about his story and how that he desired to go home and was hoping they'd forgive him and welcome him back a- and said to him, you know, they're there to express their, their forgiveness and compassion by hanging a handkerchief, something white, on a limb. He said, you know, I, I don't think I could, I, could, I could bury it if I looked out there and it's not there. He said, would you mind looking for me? We're coming up on the place out here. He bowed his head and closed his eyes, and his friend, he's looking. And then he punches it on the shoulder. He said I think you ought to look. And when the boy looked, it wasn't just a white handkerchief on a limb. It looked like they'd torn up their bed sheets, and they'd covered every limb on that little old tree. And there was an aging man, woman standing out there with a hand stuck up saying, Son, son, you're welcome. I read that the other night. I read at night some, usually a sermon or something before going to sleep, and I was reading a sermon the other night. I was in a motel, I think, in the Atlanta area. And in that sermon, he brought that trite story, that worn story that we've heard all over life. Pardon me for being so personal, but my eyes were filled with tears, and I looked up toward the ceiling in that motel room, and I said, Lord, I'm glad you welcomed me back. Thomas Wolfe, those of you that read that literature, he wrote a a little book, said that you can't go home again. But he's wrong. I'm glad you can go home again. Would you stand with me, please, all over the room? The pastor's coming. The love of God. Oh, the love of God. You want to come this morning and just bow here and maybe express out of your heart appreciation, praise, love, Maybe you're in this room and you have not yet experienced His love, His grace through receiving His Son. The pastor's coming. Don't miss God this morning.